Please pray with me. To our gods of old, we bless the ground that you tread in search of our freedom. We bless your presence in our lives and in our hearts. Take of this offering to your delight and be filled with our prayers of thanksgiving. May our lives remain as full as our hearts on this day. Amen.
I have the blanket spreading up here. And I'm so happy to invite my friends, young or young at heart. Velcro on the hair, we're good. There we go. We got a little caught there. Sometimes spreading a blanket takes a little more effort. Thank you for joining us, friends. In the last weeks of summer, I'm so happy to see you. We have some new friends. Any friends here for the first time, you're welcome to come up at any point. Today, you may have peeked in the bulletin or you may have got a sense from the music and the prayers already that we are marking and remembering today 400 years of slavery and inequality in the United States, in North America. So, I have a really important symbol and word I want to bring to you. This is Sankofa. Say it for me, Sankofa. And these are two different pictures that come from the Akan tribe in Ghana. And this is an Adinkra symbol. And it means that you kind of have to look towards the past to plan for the future. If you could study this first picture here, friends, what do you see happening in this picture right here? Can you describe it for me in any way? An animal? Yeah, what kind of animal would you guess? A chicken. A chicken? It looks a little like a turkey. A turkey? Yeah, it's a bird. It's a bird. And how are its feet pointed? What direction are its feet pointed? Forward. 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 Yeah, forward. And what about its neck? What's going on with its neck? It's facing the other way. It's facing backwards, right? So this bird means I'm looking forward with my feet. That's the direction I'm marching and moving. But my neck is pointed towards the past. I have another friend who's going to come up in a bit and show us another symbol of Sankofa. This is like, what shape would you say that is? Would you call that shape one you know? A heart. A heart, exactly, Zane. That heart is another version of the bird. Can you almost see that's the bird's neck in the heart? See the way the neck is swooping backwards? That's like a stylized version of Sankofa. So if, if you could break down the words for me, uh, my friends that are readers on the stage, could you define Sankofa for me? Um, returning or, go, or going somewhere, but like not look, looking back to go forward. Yeah. He took this definition and break, broke it down for me very quickly, Henry. San means to return. Ko means to go. And fa means look, seek, and take. Sankofa means there's no shame in needing to look backwards. In fact, that helps us plan for a better future to really understand the past. My friend Natalie, our digital minister, she has a really cool tattoo. Yeah. She said we could look at this cool wrist tattoo she has. It's another version of Sankofa. Can you see it? Could you tell us what it means for you, <clears throat> So this, is, this part is the bird here. You see the wings there? There's the head, and then there's the little egg right there. So that it's okay to go back. There are things in your past that are really important, kind of like jewels or gems, 
that you can take forward and will help you um, as you go into the next place. You'll be like, oh yeah, that thing that I learned, let me take that with me. And that helps us as a community as a whole too. Natalie pointed out that egg. Do you see that egg in these pictures of Sankofa right here? Like an egg or a jewel, she even described it as. So my challenge to you is this week and beyond this week, as you think and learn more about the past, more about history, ask the adults around you hard questions. Be ready for the new school year to ask hard questions about the past so that together we can work for a better future together. Are you up for the challenge? It's also how sometimes when you go somewhere, you can't go there without like your supplies. Like you look back, get, you get your supplies before you just go. I love that, Josephine. That is beautiful. Can we hold that with us as we pray together? You can link up and hold arms or hands if you're comfortable and say this prayer with me, friends. Dear God, we ask that you help us learn from the past to create a strong future. Amen. All right. Carrie Sankofa with you, my friends. Good morning, middle family. My name is Amanda. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. I'm a minister here at Middle. It's wonderful to be with you today. For those of you that are joining us online, we welcome you. So glad that you are tuning in today from wherever you are in the world. So glad that all of you have chosen to be here today with us as well. If this is your very first time worshiping with us today, would you raise your hand? Welcome, welcome. And where are you visiting from? Brooklyn. Well, keep your hand up. We have a card we'd love to give you so we can stay in touch with you. Woo! Oh, and I'm just seeing Caroline is back from Japan, where our former intern has been there all summer. Welcome, Caroline and Jake. Welcome back. Welcome home. And where are you from? Brooklyn as well. Who else is visiting? Yeah? Upper West Side. Welcome. Back here. Where are you all from? Germany, welcome. Who else did I miss? Right here? Brooklyn? Anyone else? We're so glad that you are here. Um, There's a lot happening in the life of our church. I hope that you will look at the screens and in your bulletin to see all of the upcoming ways that you can get involved. We have another middle mixer two Saturdays from now. We're going to a soccer game on the 7th. Sign up and register for a ticket and join us. Next Sunday, we are already looking ahead to our Second Avenue Street Fair, which will be on the 12th, is that right, of October. So we're having our first planning meeting next Sunday, and we'd love to involve each of you in planning that outreach and fellowship event. Um, We have, let's see what else is happening. 
I hope that all of you will put September 15th on your calendar and in your mind. That is our homecoming Sunday where we will say welcome home to love. That is the first time that we will go back to two worships. And so um, know that that is when we'll make that transition. There'll be an opportunities fair that day, ways for you to get plugged in more deeply into what's happening here and a few surprises as well. Um, Many of you have asked, I was gone the past couple weeks. I was in Kentucky visiting family and friends, and I also did deliver a special message from Middle Church to Mitch McConnell. So be, uh, thank you all for doing that. So be looking this week, we'll publish um, a little update on how that went, but know that Middle Collegiate Church and all of your names were in Mitch McConnell's front yard for at least 24 hours. So we are still, as a community of faith, moving towards sane um, gun laws and gun reform in this country, and you all are part of that work, so thank you. We also understand that as a faith community that the work of dismantling racism and the ongoing anti-racist work is a spiritual practice and something that each of us are called to do um, every day. And so as you have noticed today, we will be noting that and holding that in this worship in a significant way as today, this week, has marked the 400-year anniversary of the arrival of the first enslaved Africans to the Virginia colony. And on the October 27th Sunday, we will be um, holding that anniversary with a special worship and action after church as well, once Jackie is back. Now, what I would like to do is move us into a time of prayer, holding all of the things that are happening in the world, Uprival in Hong Kong continues. We think of all of the resistance and the protests happening there. We're thinking of the ways that gun violence and racism still plague our country and our lives. We're thinking of the things that we're holding in our own heart that need to feel love today. The ways that we need to be connected to the divine. As we hold all of those things, we're going to move now into a time of prayer through dance. Let us pray. Fix me, Jesus. 
Amen. Let's all stand and continue this beautiful spirit and moment of prayer. And we are going to pray together now the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, which is printed in your bulletin if you need it. And as you're comfortable, grab the shoulder or the hand of someone next to you. As we say together, ever-loving and holy God, hallowed be your name.
And friends, we have an old friend back in the, in the sanctuary with us again today. Derek Harkins will be preaching for us later. So come say hello to Derek and say hello to each other as we pass the peace of God. May the peace of God be with you. Thank you.
A reading from the Psalms, Psalm 71, verses 1 through 6. In you, O Lord, I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me and rescue me. For all day long I have been plagued and I am punished every morning. If I had said, I will talk on this way. Pardon my turn more than one page, my apologies. <laughs> Incline your ear to me and save me. Be to me a rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me. 
for you are my rock and my fortress. Rescue me, O my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of the unjust and cruel. For you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, O Lord, from my youth. Upon you I have learned from my birth. It was you who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continually of you. Shall we join in prayer? God of all ages, God of infinite promise, and God of a faithful past, abide with us now as we seek in these moments to hear from you, but yet also to lend our voices to the chorus of trusting faith and faithful persistence in what is just and right. In your names we do pray. Amen. Good morning, Middle Church. It feels good to be in such a warmly familiar place. And I'm so thankful for the opportunity to share with you and those who are joining us on this morning, even for these these few moments. This is difficult because I, I come braced with all the exuberance of being back in, in such a warmly, wonderfully familiar place. But as I think about what marks this moment and why we consider this moment, I am deeply and profoundly conflicted. And, and maybe my conflict is reflected in the psalm that is the prescribed reading for today. How incredibly appropriate that that 71st psalm would be the one the lectionary would point us to on this day. Because in it, if you listen, the psalmist is saying, this is awful. This is horrendous. This is evil to the highest magnitude. But yet, somehow, a strand, a thread, a glimmer, a spark of hope is yet still part of the equation. How audacious it is to hope in the midst of what is surely hopelessness. And I would dare say, as we heard sung so poignantly a few moments ago, that those whose feet set foot on Point Comfort in Virginia Colony in August of 1619 had no sense of, no cognizance of how there'd be any relief, any succor, any stability in their lives. As the ledger described, 20 and odd Negroes deposited in that place, in that moment, began, sustained the saga of slavery on this continent some 400 years ago. Can you hear them? Can you hear their 
their moans of despair? Can you hear the fretfulness in their voices? Can you hear the pain? Can you smell it? Can you smell the stench of inhumanity? Can you smell the, 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 the weight of grievousness that had to be surrounding each and every one of them in that moment? And oh, so many who came after. Can you feel it? Can you feel the cloying presence of an institutionalized system of barbarism? This didn't happen in secret. This didn't happen under cover of darkness. It happened in plain sight. With the sanction, with the cooperation of all the powers that be. <laughs> Is it evil? Yeah. Of course it's evil. But simply calling slavery evil is too easy. For you see, it gives us an out if we just simply call it evil by spiritualizing it and making its origins otherworldly. No, this is not an evil born of the netherworld. The evil of slavery was systemic and devised by oppressors with clear heads anchored in economics, religion, politics, and culture, and every strand of the American story has been affected by yet what was called the peculiar institution of slavery. So when we talk about assessing evil, understand where it comes from. It doesn't come from some undefined place. No, it comes from people sitting down with ledgers and, and counting out coins and figuring out the political stratifications, much like it happens today with supremacy and oppression. So the very same way in which slavery had to be approached and resisted and overcome maybe is the very same formula that needs to be employed even in our midst now. But these individuals who represent so many who came in the course of the Middle Passage from that point on really represent an audacious measure of hope that's really beyond my comprehension. I was at a gathering with a couple of you here in, in, in the congregation as well a few evenings ago when Colson Whitehead, the author of the Middle Passage and now the Nickel Boys, spoke to the fact that the very fact that we, people of color, African-Americans, are here is a, a tribute to the audaciousness and the miraculousness of how events have unfolded. Who's to say that those who, who bore my primal DNA would not have succumbed to the middle passage or been killed even as they entered into or exited in the gate of no return or we're subjected to the inhumanities of slavery here in the Americas, but yet, here we are. In plain sight, this institution was woven into the very fabric. The fact that some nearly 150 years later, 
those who were the framers, if you will, of the Declaration and the Constitution thought that it was appropriate to speak about equality and that all men were created equal. And even with that narrow parenthesis, it was a brazen untruth that remained untrue and yet still has not been fully rectified. But again, all of this happened in plain sight. But along with the realities, the inhumanities of slavery, the evil, the systemic and intrinsic evil of slavery happening in plain sight, thanks be to God, something else has unfolded in plain sight as well. For you see, as early, and by the way, let me just say, and I'm so thankful that uh, Jackie has done an amazing job as, as has been happening. Uh, I've seen it on Instagram and elsewhere. Uh, the 1619 Project that is uh, in the New York Times is truly singular and seminal. And I commend it to all of you. It is, is a, it's incredibly accessible. It, it, it's written in a way that really speaks into uh, one's consciousness. I was literally, I was on the plane yesterday coming back from San Francisco and, 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 and was enraptured in reading uh, one of the most recent installments of it. So I say that to say that in reading that, but you don't necessarily just have to read that, but you can find that the reality is that in other places, also in plain sight, in the midst of the inhumanity of slavery, there was the persistence of resistance, both in deed and in spirit. Thanks be to people like Richard Allen and James Varick and Samson White and Sojourner Truth and Thomas Paul and Harriet Tubman and Ida B. Wells, because in plain sight, they made sure that their voices and their actions pushed against the formidable foe of institutionalized white supremacy and the institution of slavery. So inasmuch as we need to recognize the reality of slavery as it has existed in plain sight, we need to honor the legacy of those who have resisted and persisted throughout all of the saga and all of the journey. Don't let anyone tell you how insulting it is. You know, and I hear this in more than a few occasions that, that, that somehow that, 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 that enslaved Africans were subjugated and, and, and pacified by the Christianity of their oppressors. Well, that represents a very shallow and inadequate reading of the reality of what unfolded. Because you need to know that what unfolded was that that Christianity, yes, was offered up by those oppressors for the purpose of pacifying those who would hear it. Something else happened. Because that, that Jesus who was meant to be seen as a meek and lowly and humble, passive servant, ended up being understood to be a liberator, one who justified, one who equipped, one who enabled those to endure, and not only to endure, but yet to ultimately overcome. So the reality is that the faith that unfolded in the breast of my ancestors was not one that pacified, but one that emboldened and liberated even in a scenario and in a circumstance that offered 
no hope. So we need to honor those who've come before and who were not quiet and who were not still. And we see in them the template, I hope, for how we ought to be about the business of anti-racism today. How we ought to persist even today, yes, in plain sight. One of the most powerful things that I think we can make sure we, we lay claim to is that no one else can own our story. We need to understand that no matter what the past has been, infusing my journey and my struggle with a hope, a hope beyond hopelessness, makes the narrative my own. How else could it be that we sit in an institution that was incorporated some 300 some odd years ago nearly and was a direct beneficiary from the largesse of slavery such as Dutch New Amsterdam so that the collegiate churches in their footing are the recipients of that legacy on some degree. How is it now? Now that could have been left idle and could have been just left as it was. But here we sit today <laughs> as those who've come since that moment and are able in this very same institution to stand for what is right and just and to be anti-racist in our very work and in our very witness. And if that's not the transformative hand of God, I don't know what is. So, so let me just say this. Understand that white supremacy and racism and, and, and as, as the outgrowth of slavery are intentional and institutional constructs and the only way that we're going to battle them is with intentionality and with clear-headed strategy. And yes, that means going to Mitch McConnell and knocking on his door unrelentingly. Yes, that means standing in the face of the wickedness and the awfulness that drips out of the White House on a day-in and day-out basis. Yes, that means resisting all of those things that would stand in the way of what is just and what is right. Oh, we need to understand that those who, who've come before, those who, who, who are the, 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 the progeny of those whose feet set on Virginia's shore in 1619, yes, endured a hopelessness, or I should say an inhumanity beyond comprehension, but were infused with a hope that defied comprehension. For you see, I'm sorry, but there's something that just keeps persisting. There's something that just keeps breaking through every barrier, every restrictive wall that tries to stand as an obstacle. We still yet come through. I'm still here. Now, let me tell you something. I look the way I look not because the owner of the Gale Plantation in Kentucky courted my great-great-great-grandmother. Now, I, I don't look the way I look because there was any romance involved. 
In fact, I, I looked the way I looked in, in large measure, as, as painful as it is to sometimes reconcile it, because of, of sexual violence that was so common and so understood that it was woven into the regular fabric of society. But guess what? I'm still here. I'm not going to let... I'm not going to let the inequities and the inhumanities of the past define and suppress my voice and my presence. And we need to make sure that as we stand here 400 years since, that we, yes, look back and recognize the realities of the inhumanities of this peculiar institution, which was not peculiar at all, but woven into the fabric of everyday life. And that we honor the voices of those who have stood in resistance. And now that we are embracing in plain sight a hope that defies hopelessness. Oh, we can do many things and we need to do many things. We need to stand in the face of injustice and inequity and inequality. We need to make sure that our voices and our presence are heard. But sometimes... Sometimes the one thing that we can always do, whether or not we have, 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 have at our access the tools that are necessary for doing some of those strategic things, sometimes we can just make the testimony of being present, being here, saying that I'm here, making sure that no matter how difficult things come, part of our spiritual practice, middle, needs to be able to, being, being able to say that we are yet here, that we harbor the hope of a God who does not fail us nor forsake us. I would not do dishonor to those who've come before me. Oh, yes, I can have my doubts. Yes, I can have my moments of difficulty. Yes, I can have my low moments. But I've got to remember too many people came before me who prayed through, who trusted through, who stood through, who soldiered through, who worked through, who made their way through difficulties that I cannot even yet imagine. And because they did that, I'm here. I don't know. I won't be so bold as to project and to think about what was going through the minds of those 20 and some odd Negroes who stood on the shores of Virginia Colony. Oh, I know that they were in, surrounded by the horrors of the moment. I know that they were indeed suppressed by a systemic system that would dehumanize and make them of no value by way of their personhood. But I'm going to go ahead and believe that even if it was a glimmer, even if it was ever so slight that it could barely be seen, I'm going to believe that in them there was a spark. Just like the psalmist writes, in the midst of a season of hopelessness, there was a spark that let them know that somehow, somehow, they could hold on to something that would not fail them. And can we use that even now in our journey? That sometimes I know it gets rough. I know we dare not turn on the news because of what will dishearten us and depress us. But think about those who've come before us in the span of these last 400 years. They knew what it meant to hope in the midst of hopelessness. And they knew, if nothing else, to be able to simply say, O 
oh, I'll fight, I'll struggle, but most importantly, I'm here. Amen. Good morning, Metal. My name is Danita Branham. In our mission statement, it's always printed in our bulletin that we aim to heal the soul and world by dismantling racism, classism, sexism, and xenophobia and homophobia systems of oppression. Well, in order to do that together, we need to be educated on what the derivation of those isms are. Middle is a teaching church, not only for ministers, but for those of us here in the pews and online. We are currently beset by the rise in voice and action of those who believe in white supremacy. That is in direct opposition to the premise of the United States of America, which Jackie notes in her recent e-blast is an ambitious idea. Let me share a brief retrospective of teaching efforts directed at racism that we've done here at Middle. In the fall of 2016, a class was offered called Erasing Racism. The discussion started based on a New York Times essay by Michael Eric Dyson. Then we saw The 13th, a documentary by Avery DuVernay. And with that baseline, a special small group was formed called Healing Racism Task Force. It committed to sharing as a community for a year. About 30 people participated. We read The Fire Next Time by James Baldwin, Between the World and Me by Tai Nihasi Kote, we looked at the film, I Am Not Your Negro, which had a seminal speech by James Baldwin. We explored unconscious bias with the guest lecturer, Anura Gupta. A panel of young activists came and expressed their strategies for the new movement. We listened to the elders who worked in the civil rights movement. We participated in a focus group with NYU Race in America and urgency, the urgency of now. So won't you consider joining the movement here that is middle, where we take a chance to learn more about those sitting next to us in the pews. 
to get together and see each other up close and personal. The ushers are going to come shortly. We ask that you consider being generous in your participation in this movement and as well with your treasury to keep this kind of education going. Thank you. Let us pray. 
Dear God, we are here. We are here and we look back, naming that some of the ancestors of this church participated in the system of slavery and oppression. We look back, naming that some of our ancestors who suffered under systemic oppression offered this community a spark, your spark, your light, to help create a harbor of hope. Bless the offering of these, our gifts, along with all the gifts of this church. Help us to use them with wisdom and courage. Help us to be a beacon of hope in the midst of hopelessness, always empowered by your spark, by your light, by your love. We give you thanks, O God. Amen. Please be seated. We're going to take um, some time now here in the physical space and online, if you'll join us, uh, to commemorate the 400 years by um, the tolling of our church bells. We'll let them ring 40 times. So if you would um, sit with us and be in that with us as we allow that time to pass.
The journey is often unknown to us. The journey is fraught with difficulties, even perils and turmoil. But this I know. Because 20 and some odd Negroes who set foot on the coast of Virginia Colony 400 years ago have proven that no matter what inhumanity is foisted or waged, I know a God who is persistent in declaring and securing hope. God of our weary years. God of our silent tears felt in the days when hope unborn had died. Hear us even now. Equip us for the journey and for the struggle. Help us to boldly love one another and faithfully love you as you have loved us. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen.